What's up, Coastal? How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us this morning. We're in a series called You Can. Everybody say, You Can. Come on, everybody say, You Can. That was great. That was great. I like it when you guys respond back to me. Anyways, we're glad that you're with us. We started this series last week, and uh, man, I'm pumped for this week. Before we kind of dive in today, um, next weekend, everybody say next weekend. Okay, that wasn't anywhere near as good as you can, so we're going to try that again. Everybody say next weekend. Next weekend, uh, make sure you're here because we're going to have a measurably more update on our facility for you guys. And Anybody excited to see what's kind of been happening over the last couple weeks? It's been crazy. I, I, I stopped in there this morning, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to share with everybody, but not today. So... Uh, <laughs> And next week, and so uh, that, that video, by the way, won't be put up online, so the only way you get to see is by showing up to church next week. You're all like, that's messed up. I was like, come to church. Anyways, um, we're in this series called You Can, and today is going to be a little bit different. I was actually preparing this message for our CLA, and if you don't know what our CLA is, it's our Coastal Leadership Academy. We have, a, we have an academy here uh, of interns that say for the next nine months, usually between the ages of 18 and 25, it's kind of, they're trying to figure out what's going on in life and where do they want to go and what do they want to be and how does God want to use them. And so we say, hey, give us nine months of your life as a gap year and we'll help you solidify your relationship with God and help you grow to discover what maybe your purpose in life is and help you discover that and so you can move forward. If you want to move forward in ministry, we have tracks for that. If you just want to go forward in life and be successful, man, we want to set your foundation right. And so I was preparing for a leadership class that I teach them, and I was preparing this message, and, and I realized that this isn't just a message just for some, some 18 and 25-year-olds. I believe it's a message for all of us today. And I was thinking about Philippians 4.13, and, and it's a scripture that's very common to people. I didn't put it in your notes or anything. This is just my, my thoughts that were happening, and it goes, the Apostle Paul writes, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And a lot of us read that and go, man, that's great. Paul, you can, but I can't. Like, my family background has kept me from being able to do that. My history has kept me from being able to do that. My life has kept me, like, everything is working against me in life, and there's no way that I can. And so a lot of us, before we ever get an opportunity to realize the dreams and the goals that are within our hearts, we disqualify ourselves because we have some stinking thinking that we need to change. And I'm here today to let you know, and this is what today is all about, I believe that you can make history in life. You can make history. And when I say that, for some of you, you go, but, but, but I can't. You don't understand where I've come from. You don't understand my family background. You don't understand what's happened to me in life. There's no way that I could possibly do that. And I'm here to tell you, with the power of Christ's work within you, you can make history. In fact, I look at my family background, and every time I introduce myself, I'm like, hey, my name's TJ McCormick. And typically, the first question somebody will ask me that doesn't know me, they'll be like, hey, are you related to the McCormick Spice family? Which, of course, I would love to be related to them, but I go, have you seen what I drove? And that pretty much eliminates that conversation. See, because my family, it'd be so much better if my family history was the McCormick Spice history because my family history is, is I come from a broken home. I come from parents that got divorced at an early age because they were both addicts. They both had drug and alcohol problems. And so I grew up in a home with all kinds of uh, things that were happening that no, 
young child should see. Not only that, but my dad cheated on my mom, and my grandfather cheated on his wife, and, and we've got this history of infidelity. And so we've got all this dysfunction in our family. It'd be really easy for me to go, that's all my life is going to be. That's all the McCormick name is going to amount to. But I believe that God has called me to something more than that, that my legacy as a McCormick isn't going to be a broken home, but it's going to be a home where I love my wife, Shayla, for all the days of my life, that we raise up a child that knows wholeness in his home, that knows what it's like to have morals and values in a relationship with a living God that can transform them, that our legacy is not going to be our past, but our legacy is in front of us. And I can make history. And for all those with dysfunction at home, that should give you some hope. Then I realize that there's some other people here that you're like, I don't have a dysfunctional home. I have a healthy home. And that's awesome. But here's what I know about your parents. They want your history to be greater than their history. And so there's still opportunity. There is still something that you can do that nobody else in your family has ever done. You can do that. There's something that you can do that nobody in this city has ever done. You can make history. There's something in this country that you can do that nobody else has ever, ever done. There's something that you can do in this world that nobody else has ever done. You can make history. And I believe that God wants us to make history. I can believe that God wants us to make a difference. He doesn't just want us to settle for the status quo and what's been put on us and what's been said about us because he said something differently about us. He's spoken some things that are different than maybe what your family told you or your friends told you or that professor told you or that ex-spouse told you. It doesn't matter what they said because God says something different. And I believe with all of my heart that God is telling you today, you can make history. And God has called you Yes, you, to be a change agent in this world, to make a difference in this world and make history. And so we're going to be studying the life of David again. We started last weekend looking at David, and we talked about the fact that you can change. We talked about the fact that David was hiding in a cave, and 400 guys that were broke, busted, and disgusted showed up at the cave with him. They were running for their lives as well. They showed up at the caves as wimps, but we found out later in life they left as warriors. And so there was this transformation that took place in the cave. And if you want to find out how you can change and some principles you can apply, go online, watch the message, listen to the message, apply the principles of your life. But today we're going to be looking at a different aspect of David's life. And, and for those of you that don't know, uh, David is a boy who gets anointed king. He eventually ends up as a shepherd boy going to fight a Goliath named uh, a giant named Goliath and defeating him. It's where we get our story of, of David and Goliath. It's, it's why we talk about that story because David in a moment went from just being an ordinary person to a history maker because he was able to seize the opportunity when it presented itself. And so we're going to be looking at multiple facets of this story because there's some things that history makers do that create history for them. There are some things that we can apply to our lives that can make us different than other people. So today is going to be very practical and very applicable. And so, because I believe that any one of us has the ability to make history. And so let me give you a backdrop before we dive into 2 Samuel. Uh, Saul is currently the king of Israel. He started off following God, but over time, he started doing his own thing. God gets frustrated with him and said, hey, Saul's family is not going to continue to rule and reign in Israel. I'm going to actually anoint a new king. And that's where we pick up this story in 2 Samuel chapter 16. It says, Samuel did what God told him. And so God tells Samuel to go anoint another king. So Samuel did what God told him. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the town fathers greeted him, but apprehensively. Is there something wrong? 
Nothing's wrong. I've come to sacrifice this heifer and lead you in worship of God. Prepare yourselves, be consecrated, and join me in worship. He made sure Jesse and his sons were also consecrated and called to worship. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, here he is, God's anointed. But, Samuel, but God told Samuel, looks aren't everything, which should give some of us ugly people like myself some hope, right? It's like, it's right there in the Bible. <laughs> Don't be impressed with his looks or stature. I've already eliminated him. God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face, but God looks into the heart. So if you're taking notes today, if you want to make history, it's not about how you look. It's about how's your heart. It's not about how you look, it's about how's your heart. And the reason I bring that up is because we live in a day and an age in a society where it's all about the persona that we can put off. It's all about our profile pic on Instagram. It's all about our LinkedIn profile. It's all about, man, uh, our style, uh, what we can put off, what car we drive, what house we live in. And we're all about this swag and bling. We're all about the external. And we get so focused as individuals on the external, but God says, hey, I don't look at the external. I don't get so focused on that. In fact, I look at something completely different. I'm not preoccupied with everything that's on the outside. I'm occupying my life and my intention into what's happening in their hearts. And so we think that if if I can get noticed or if I appear a certain way, that's going to give me an opportunity that I wouldn't currently have. That's going to allow me to be a history maker in life. And so if I can just have that career, then I'll get noticed. They don't have the opportunity to make history. If I can just live in that neighborhood, then I will have an opportunity that nobody else has. I'll get noticed that I can make history. If I can just have this much money, then I'll get noticed and I can have significance in life and maybe I can make history. But God says, man, I see it differently. I see it differently than how People see it. See, in life, at work, in school, at, at, at the mall, people base things on how other people look, don't they? We all have prejudices based on people and what they look like, don't we? We prejudge them. Don't say you don't, because you do. You're like, oh, that person, that person's wearing a Folex. They're trying to be a baller, but they're not. A couple of weeks ago, I was wearing some, some uh, uh, Yeezys, and I had some students who'd be like, man, those are Yeezys. I was like, actually, they're like Cheezys because I bought them from China, and they're knockoffs, you know? It's like, like I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be something, but I'm not because I can't afford those. But that's how we judge, and God goes, well, I don't judge based on what you have externally. I judge based on what's happening in your heart. And God is looking for somebody whose heart is after God's heart. God is looking for somebody that's saying, God, I'm open and willing to do what you want me to do. God, I want to treat people the way you want people treated. God, I want to spend my time the way you would have me spend my time. See, what God is looking for is he's looking for a flexible, pliable, teachable heart. He's looking for a heart that desires his heart. He, he's not looking for the person that, that's on the outside going like, look at how cool I am. Look at how hip I am. Look at all the trendiness about me. Notice me, notice me, notice me. God's going, that doesn't matter to me. What matters to me 
is your heart. That's why David was so critical to God because David was actually termed a man after God's own heart. So all along, David was about his heart relationship with him. And see, what God wants to know and what he's asking us individually is, is, do you care about the things that I care about? Do you care about pointing people to my son, Jesus Christ? Do you care about grace and mercy and love and compassion and peace and kindness? Because if that's where your heart is drawn towards, I can do something with that. I can use that kind of heart. And the reason David becomes a history maker is because he has the right heart. God looks at every other one of David's brothers and goes, nope, 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 nope. They've got it based on what the world says. They've got the looks. They've got the attitude. They've got the training. They've got all the exterior things. But I'm looking for the heart. And I believe that we spend so much time in life on the external things trying to create something that makes us unique, something that makes us different. So we walk around and we go, man, if everybody's wearing their hat forwards, I'm going to turn it backwards so I can stand out. If everybody's wearing Nikes, I'm going to wear Adidas so I can be different. Man, if everybody's really cold right now, I'm going to be hot just so I can be different. Why? Because we want to separate ourselves from the crowd and God says, I don't separate based on what people separate. I separate based on the heart. And to be a history maker, we have to get our heart in the right position where the reality is, is our heart is really in, 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 in direct alignment with God's heart. So when God's heart comes down, it's just flowing through our heart like a laser beam to other people. So that our heart is actually his heart. It's reflecting the things of God in our lives because it's not about how we look, it's about how's your heart. And so continuing David's story, the climax of David's story is David killing this giant. And so many of us think in life that if, if I can just have this giant slaying moment, if I can just start that business, if I can just develop this product, then all of a sudden I will be a history maker. But that isn't actually how you become a history maker. In fact, in 1 Samuel David is having a conversation with Saul, and he has come to the battlefield, and he's saying, hey, hey, Saul, I, I, I want to go fight this giant, and, and, and Saul was looking at him, and he's going, dude, you're just a boy. Man, you, you have no, you're not a warrior. You're not the kind of person that goes and fights giants. In fact, you, you're not even able to do that. I love how David responds to him in 1 Samuel 17. It says, but David persisted. He said, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb, from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead. And this is where I kind of interject myself because this is how I read the Bible. And he goes, and may the Lord be with you. In other words, he said, oh, go bless your heart. You're an idiot. Does anybody else read the Bible like that? Like, I just, I'd put myself in his, like, was, was Saul like, and may the Lord be with you. I think Saul was like, you're the dumbest kid on the block. You're getting your head chopped off today, boy. I mean, like, that's how I think. But so, if, number two, if you want to make history, history isn't made with the giants. It's made with the sheep. History isn't made with the giants. It's made with the sheep. Because David looks at Saul and says very confidently, Man, I've doing, been doing things with my father's sheep. See, I'm a shepherd. 
And the shepherd is the lowliest job. It's the job that nobody wants. It's, it's the job of just the ordinary, routine, daily things. And David says, listen, if, when I was doing that job, when a bear came, I would go after it and beat it with a club. If a lion came, I would come after it and beat it with a club. And if it came after me, I'd grab that joker by the jaw and break its neck and rip its jaw off because I'm a bad man. Like he was like, that's it. And so what David is saying is he's saying, hey, listen, when I was out there with the sheep, that was God's training ground for the giants. See, God's training ground is, isn't not with the giant. God's training ground for the giant is actually with the sheep. It's see, a lot of people think that, man, if I can just go to the giant, then I'll have all this stuff. But you're not ready for the giant because you haven't taken care of those things while you're with the sheep. You haven't done the little things that add up to allowing you to be able to do the big things in life. You haven't developed the skills that are necessary to be able to defeat the giant. You haven't developed the things that happen in the mundane, ordinary, everyday lives that are just done consistently that create drastic life change inside of you. It's the little things that prove that you can be trusted and that will allow you to eventually take on the bigger things in life. Like, I don't think you're going to be a history maker in your family if you can't stay committed to your spouse right now. It's the little things. Like, I don't think God's going to give you a bigger house when you can't clean up that small room that you got right now. I don't think God's going to bless you with tons of resources if you can't manage the few resources you have right now. I don't think God's going to give you tons of influence if you can't steward your time and resources right now to influence the sphere that you already have. And so many of us, we're going, God, I want all this. And God's looking at your life and he's going, what are you doing with the things I've currently given you? What are you doing with the little things that make the biggest difference in life? You can't do great or be great if you can't take care of the little stuff. So what are some little things that we should be looking at in our life? I think one of those is God's word. I hear so many times in so many conversations, Pastor TJ, man, I'm just seeking God for his will and his desire. God, give me a vision for my life. And I'm like, have you checked out his current vision for your life called his Bible? God's word? Have you checked it out? Like, he's, he's got a vision for your life right here. No, 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 Pastor TJ, I want something supernatural from God. But you won't do the natural things that he's already asking you to do. Come on, somebody. God, give me a plan. He's like, uh, it's sitting right there. Why would I give you another plan when you won't work this plan? How about prayer? Oh, I'll pray. I'm not talking about prayer where you're going, God, bless me, enlarge me, give me everything I want in life. I'm talking about prayer where you're going, God, man, would you speak to my boss and give him compassion and kindness? Would you bless that business like never before? God, would you give him influence like he's never had? Why would you pray that kind of prayer for your boss? Because that's what God would have you pray. Because it's not about you, it's about other people. How about you, you, you meet somebody that's in need, man. God, I'm, I'm going to commit to interceding for them. I'm going to spend some time in prayer going, God, intervene in their situation. Care for them in their situation. Heal their hurt that they're experiencing right now. I see tragedy happening in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. Instead of just sitting there going, man, it sucks to be them. Man, God, I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray for those people. That more lives would not be lost. That, that rescue workers would have wisdom and insight because I want to see people change and transform. How about personal development? How are you growing? How are you developing in life? Are you getting better at the gifts and talents that God has already given you, or are you just talented and lazy? 
See, I think that, that David every day, one of the amazing things is David every day while he was out there with the sheep doing the ordinary things, you better believe he had a sling in his hand and a rock, and he was just, he just working it every day. He's going, man, I'm going to hit that target. I'm going to hit that target. I'm going to hit that target. Every day I'm going to get better than I was the day before. Every day I'm not going to settle for my current reality. I'm going to better myself. Are you getting better every day? Are you maximizing the gifts and talents that God has already equipped you with so you can go, God, I, I, I don't want to leave anything left undone on this earth, but I'm going to do everything I can. And I believe that God is looking for people that are determined to get better. They aren't going to settle for just being average or the status quo. They're going to be diligent in honing their craft. How about this? Do you have a mentor? Do you have somebody speaking in your life that is further ahead in your life than you are? Man, I have mentors in my life spiritually. I was just with some pastors in Oklahoma City trying to develop my professional life when it comes to being a pastor of people. Man, I want to get better at that every day. I want to get better in my marriage. Man, my wife is incredible, but she is complicated. I need to learn every day. Every husband knows that that's true right there. Right, husbands? You can shake your head. It's okay. You'll just get an elbow. It's not a big deal. But your wives know it's true. They're complicated. Right, wives? You're complicated, and you want your husband to discover you. That's the joy of marriage. It's like an every day is a new day. You don't know who you're waking up to. Next to it, anyways. That's a different series right there. We'll get to that one later this year. It's terrible but true. Terrible but true. Somebody said it's terrible over here. How about your parenting? Are you getting better? Man, I was at my connect group last semester, and one of the guys stuck around afterward whose kids are amazing. And I, I said, listen, before you leave, you need to give me some insight into being a dad. What do I need to do? How do I make my kids turn out like your kids? Because your kids are awesome and everybody else's kids are jacked up. What did you do? <laughs> I'm for real. I was like, what? He's like, I read, we read for an hour. They don't play video games. And we play board games. I'm like, done. Like, I want to learn. I want to get better. And I need people that can challenge me if I'm going to make history. Here's another one, critical component. Because a lot of us don't like where we are in life, but are you doing your best in the season you're in? Or are you just hoping for another season will come along? God, just change my season. The problem is, is God will change your season, but you'll be right back in the same situation because you haven't learned in this season what you need for your next season. Do your best in the environment that you've been placed in. You, can, you have control of your attitude. You have control of your response. Are you bettering yourself in that? Some things that we can look at and realize that, man, it's with the sheep that the development happens so that we can slay giants in life. And check this out. When David goes to the scene where Goliath is, he wasn't going there actually for Goliath. Check it out. In Samuel 17, 17, it says, One day Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. What's interesting is David doesn't show up ready for battle. He isn't thinking this is my history-making moment. He doesn't even show up with rocks. So if you're taking notes, number three, you must be willing to serve. You want to make history, you've got to be willing to serve. He wasn't going there to be great or to be noticed or to put his name in lights. His only intention of going there was to serve. His father asked him to serve his brothers, and he said, yes, sir. He was on his way. See, David's heart was service. Know what we don't see much of today is people who want to serve other people. 
Oh, we want people to serve us. Watch me, follow me, be like me. We want all of that, but that's not how God makes great people. See, in the kingdom of heaven, the way up is actually down. And if you and I, we want to make history, if you want to do something no one in your family has ever done, you want to do something great for God, it comes through this heart of service. See, God is looking for somebody that has a heart of service because he knows that if you have a heart of service, he can make you great. And when you're great, your heart will still be for people. God knew the moment he made David king, David would still be about people because David started with it always being about people. And I believe that God isn't allowing some of us to be great because the moment we would become great, we would make it all about us. We would make it in no measure, no form, about God. The moment you get that girl, you forget all of your friends. The moment you get that race, you, you leave all of your colleagues. The moment you start that company, you forget about all of your family. Why? Because it's easy to forget. And that's not what God wants for any of us. See, he wants us to get in the mentality of the more I get in life, the reason he's given me so much is now I can use that to serve and impact those around me. The reason God has given me more resources, not so I can consume them, but so that I can use them to make a difference in people's lives. The reason God has given me more influence is not so that I can be elevated, but so that I can elevate others. And God is looking for people that will serve now because the greatest indicator of your future habits are your current habits. And so many people say, well, when this happens, then I will. No, you won't. Because if you won't do it now, you're definitely not going to do it then. Because your current habits are going to be your future habits. And what God is trying to determine is, is does your heart bleed service? Or are you just trying to use people to get somewhere? Are you just trying to manipulate them so you can have the things that you want. And what I love about David is David shows up with bread and a basket. He doesn't even bring rocks to the party. It's only when he gets to the scene does he realize that there is something else that needs to happen. Besides him serving his brothers, does the opportunity ever arise? See, the heart of service, this transforming heart, the heart that we need is, is really it, it's determined on the front end of all this. If we're going to serve other people, we need to develop a heart for the things of God, because God's heart is to serve people, to make a difference in people's lives. And if we don't get our heart right, we'll always look at serving as beneath us. See, David could have had the attitude, Dad, why are you always asking me to go take care of my brothers? Don't you know that I'm anointed king? Don't you know what's my name? D-A-V-I-D, David. But that wasn't his heart heart was, man, dad, I'm, I'm here to honor you. I'm here to bless you. Man, I'm here to honor my brothers. Man, I'm here to serve our, 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 our family, our kingdom. I'm here to serve the people of Israel. I'm here to do God's will. So whatever you need, dad, 
And when he's out there, that serving discipline leads him to great things. And it's that service discipline and is doing the things that no one else wants to do that gives him the opportunity that everybody else wants to have. And so if you want to make history, it's about your heart. It's about taking care of the sheep. It's about the little things in life. It's about having a servant's heart. And number four, making history is developed in private, but it must be displayed in public. So when I began this story, I talked about how the prophet Samuel came to Bethlehem and and he gathered the, the elders of the town and he actually asked specifically for Jesse's family to be there. This was not a huge public moment for the entire community. This was actually a very, very private, private moment. And as, as he was trying to find who was the next Lord's anointed, he was, he was doing it very, very cautiously and understanding that it was currently still a king and to anoint a new king, is, you know, that's a big deal in that time. And, and so when David finally comes, what would have happened is, is he would have taken some oil and anointed him. And it wouldn't have been like how we do today where we take some Crisco and put it on your forehead and make a little cross. They would have actually taken like a 55-gallon jug of, of oil and they would have poured it over David's entire body from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, covering every ounce of him, symbolizing that, man, David was set apart. He was different. He was not like everybody else. And that God had got, had this incredible future for his life. And so when this moment happens, I mean, talk about life-changing moments. And as soon as they were done, David runs to his computer and updates his Facebook status, future king of Israel. No. Why? Because this was a very private moment. God was doing something supernatural inside of him. He was saying, hey, David, I want you to live differently. I want you to live set apart. I want you to, to, to have this life that is devoted to me. And you know what David does? He goes right back out to where he was before, tending sheep. Protecting the sheep. Doing the mundane, doing the ordinary, doing the little things in life. And what's interesting is this While he's out there all by himself in his private life, he's developing his skill with the sling and the rock. He's singing songs to God. He's writing all this incredible music. He's keeping a diary of his ups and his downs, and he's saying, God, you know, my heart is heavy, my heart is broken, and, and all these things, but my God will supply all of my needs. My God is faithful in the moments. He's, he's writing all of these things very, very privately that are intimate to him that today are very, very public to us. See, a lot of the songs that we sing are actually Words penned by David while he was out in the field with sheep. As you read through the Psalms, the reality was is that was, that was David's basically diary. I'm sure in his mind he thought, man, these are just my private conversations. This is me just passionately pursuing God on my own in private. 
But if you're going to make history, what's developed in private must eventually be displayed publicly. And so when David arrives to serve his brothers, just the ordinary private things, it's just a a father asking his son to do something, he shows up there to an ensuing battle and looks at the giant and goes, you know what? God has delivered me from the lion and the bear privately. God will take care of this giant. You know what? This giant is coming out and he's defiling my God, the God that I worship, the God that I love, the God that I spent all this time with. And he's coming out there and he's saying negative things about my God. And what has been developed internally inside me? This love for God, this trust for God, this passion for God. I'm not going to let somebody defile my God publicly. And what has been cultivated internally is all of a sudden going to come out publicly. And he rises up and he says, hey, listen, I'll take that guy on. And you come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come at you with the power of a living God, and I'm going to take you out in that thing that was developed in private, slings the stone, bust that dude in the head, done, over with. He is the champion of all. Why? You're like, man, that was an awesome moment. Why? It was all private. Being cultivated, had it been developed for that public moment. See, what I know is that many of you have a personal relationship with God, and and God is doing some things personally inside of you that is incredible. But at some point, what's happening inside of you has got to go public. One of the ways that we do that is through baptism, through water baptism. And what it's saying is, is what God has done inside of me, what, how God has forgiven me, how God has seen the things that I looked at that nobody else has seen, how God ha- knows the things that I've done that nobody else has done, how God has taken and forgiven and washed over all those things. That was all done privately. But now I'm going to go public and say, look, look at what God has done in my life. My old life, all those things that nobody knows about that's in my private, I'm going to put those things down in the water and I'm going to come out differently. Because what God has done privately must be lived out publicly, must be displayed publicly. And one of the first ways you do that is through water baptism. And if you haven't done that, I want to encourage you to do it. Sign up on a card. Man, we, I, don't, I don't know what our next one is, but I, I just know that right now there's people that have never gone public with their faith, and it's time for you to make that step. It's letting everybody know about the internal decision that you've made to follow Jesus. Second way you go public is is you live in such a way that what God has done in private, the forgiveness, the redemption of your sins, the renewal, all the stuff that he has done inside of you, has got to be lived out publicly at your job, in your school, with your family, with your friends, so that every single person knows, I love Jesus. Listen, I'm not going to react the same way that they're going to react because my life is different. I'm not going to say the same things that they're going to say because my life is different. I'm not going to do the same things that everybody else is doing because my life is set apart. And I'm not afraid of what everybody else is doing because I'm not living by their standard. I'm living by God's standard. 
And God has called me to be set apart and different. I can be in this world, but not of this world. And so I can love you. I can be friends with you, but I don't have to act like you. And so I'm going to live different. And I'm going to live different in my home, with my friends, with my family, because God is calling me to be a history maker. And what I'm doing is I'm publicly displaying what is happening internally inside of me. David didn't show up to battle and go, I love Jesus and I got a t-shirt to prove it, Goliath. But that's how a lot of us display our faith, isn't it? I go to church and I got a, I love my church t-shirt. That's great. Wear it. Promote it. But here's the deal. If we're singing songs like, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. The reason they're asking where is because it's never on display. Yeah, it's down in your heart to stay. Well, we need that to go out in your life so other people can see it. So then go, what's up with all that joy you have? Well, that's Jesus down in my heart coming out in my life a terrible song. That's terrible theology. We're not singing that in kids ministry here. I can tell you that right now. If we are, we're stopping. But David's faith wasn't going to be hidden in that moment. Goliath came out and mocked. He said, man, you're not going to mock my God. I'm going to put everything that's happened inside of me is now going to come to fruition right here in this moment, and I'm coming at you with all of my faith, with all of my trust, with all of my Jesus, because I put my hope in him. Doesn't matter what everybody else does. It doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. Listen, if you haven't spent that time in private, if you haven't developed those things in private, they're probably not going to come out in public. for some of us today, I, I believe it's going to be a challenge. God wants to make history through your life, but there's some things that need to be developed. There's some heart check that needs to happen. There's some alignment with the heart of God and in your heart that needs to take place together here so that you can make history. I believe that God wants to use you to make a difference in your family, in your city, in your country, in your world. Maybe for some of you, your history-making moment is going to be this moment where you choose to make history by inviting Jesus into your life. Because the first step to seeing history transformed inside of you is by inviting the one who transformed history inside of you. The one who can privately forgive your sins and heal your brokenness and your despair and your pain and your shame. And maybe today is the day that you need to do that because Jesus, I'm just telling you, church, he is the greatest and he will change your life if you allow him to. And he will help you make history. And others of you, you've already done that. Maybe today is the day you go, you know what, today I, I need to go public with my faith. Maybe that's through baptism. Maybe that's through just stepping up your game and going, man, I'm going to live differently. And if you're going to do that, then start patterning your life 
after the life of Jesus so that everybody knows who's in charge of your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, the question is today is, will you accept the invitation from Jesus to have your history changed and move you and transform you in ways like never before? Jessica, would you lead them?